Good morning. It's lovely to be with you at church here again as we join together in our homes and gather around God's Word. Let's read the passage that has been allocated to us for this morning. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse 8 through to verse 16. In the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Join me in prayer before we come to ponder these words of the Apostle Paul. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege of belonging to our local church here in Hamilton. And we pray, Heavenly Father, your blessing upon us as we look at these words that Paul has written to the church at Ephesus, to Timothy in the church at Ephesus. And we pray that as we apply that to our own situation here in Hamilton, that our lives might be enriched, that we might be blessed and encouraged and built up in our faith. We thank you, Father, for our deacons and for our elders. And we pray, Lord, your blessing upon us all in the congregation as we seek to apply the truth of your word in each of our lives. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've seen over recent weeks, the main focus of Paul's letter to Timothy has been to deal with serious issues that had arisen in the church at Ephesus, issues that were threatening to undermine Timothy's own ministry. They were undermining the corporate life of the church. They were undermining the gospel and its credibility within the city of Ephesus. And so we saw in chapter 1 that he wrote to warn uh, the, uh, Timothy about the heresy that was undermining the church. Uh, in chapter 2 he sought to restore order to the worship services of the church at Ephesus. In chapter 3 he seeks to bring order to the leadership of the church and 
Last week, uh, Craig led us in looking at his counsel to elders, and this morning our task is looking at what he has to say about the ministry of the deacon. Without question, every church requires leadership. As the church in Jerusalem grew, it required more and more leadership. Uh, the apostles who gave them guidance and direction as believers uh, and oversaw the work found that they were under pressure. There were problems arising that they could not cope with. And in Acts chapter 6, we're told that they entrusted uh, the church with the task of setting apart men to serve in the ministry of diaconia or service. Acts 6 2 says, So the twelve called a meeting of the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time on teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit of wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. And so out of that decision of the apostles to entrust uh, the task of choosing uh, men to serve uh, as deacons uh, and support the ministry of the elders, uh, so began that service of the ministry of the deacon. Uh, and of course it began in uh, a limited kind of way in Acts chapter 6, but as time passed and as the church grew, the ministry of the deacon expanded and developed uh, to meet the needs of a growing church. So when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.1, he wrote to all God's people at Philippi, including the elders and deacons. And when he writes to Timothy at Ephesus, he outlines the qualities of leadership that should characterize uh, the deacon uh, who serves uh, within the church. 1 Timothy 3.14, he says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. The church today needs godly, capable leaders to serve as deacons, to provide the practical support that undergirds uh, the ministry of the pastor and elders. And deacons are clearly regarded by Paul as special leaders within the church. That's why many of the spiritual requirements for the elder are also requirements for the deacon. These ministries are complementary. Neither is superior nor inferior to the other. Both are necessary if the church is to function and grow as God intends. In his book, The Master's Plan for the Church, Dr. John MacArthur reminds us, leadership in the church is not a mantle of status to be conferred on the church's aristocracy. It isn't earned by seniority, purchased with money, or inherited through family ties. It doesn't necessarily fall to those who are successful in business or finance. It isn't doled out on the basis of intelligence or talent. Its requirements are a faultless character, spiritual maturity, and a willingness to serve humbly.
So when it comes to appointing people to this ministry and service within the local church, we see first of all that the choice is the church's responsibility. In Acts 6, the apostles didn't take it on themselves to appoint uh, people that they had chosen to serve as deacons. They entrusted the choice to all the believers in that local church. They called a meeting of all believers and said, select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We don't know how they were chosen, only that they were chosen by the church as a whole. And 1 Timothy 3.10 reminds us, in, uh, before they're appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. So the church is to examine the lives of those it calls before they are called to that service of deacon ministry. And so Paul in this passage begins the list of spiritual qualifications to characterize the life of any person who aspires to this service. God calls, God equips, the congregation recognizes and affirms. So the choice is the church's responsibility. Secondly, the commission is to serve the church. As we said earlier, that term deacon comes from a Greek word, diakonia. It means service. Some people want to have the title, but are not willing to do the work. They want the power and the influence of a status, but they are not interested in the servant ministry that is required of the deacon. I like what the late David Watson said about deacon ministry. He said this, status seekers keep out. You see, the role of the deacon was never intended as an office within the church. It was always viewed as a function within the church. It has nothing to do with position, power, prestige. It has everything to do with humble service given in the name of Jesus, meeting the needs of all who are within the family of faith. So the ministry of the deacon is the ministry of a servant leader. Think about First of all, its features, as we see it in Paul's letter to Timothy. It is humble service, offered in the name of Christ and for the sake of Christ. It's the kind of service that is patterned on the life of Jesus himself. Jesus said in Luke 22:27, I am among you as one who serves. And so following that example, Jesus tells us, Matthew 20 and 26, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. People who are called to serve as deacons are being called to humble service, to taking up the basin of water and the towel to wash the believer's feet. And because this is the servant role, the deacon occupies the lowly position. However, he oft also enjoys the lofty privilege of sharing in a thrilling ministry 
in the church which is given in the name of Jesus. Howard Foshee uh, says in his book about deacons, to be elected a deacon is more than an honour. It is a charge to assume a major assignment of high priority. To be set apart to serve within a local church meant that this ministry was given the highest priority in a person's life. It wasn't just another task to be undertaken, another string to be added to the bow. It became the priority task in the kingdom's work. Over the years many churches have suffered because people who served within it as deacons did not give themselves to the ministry of the deacon in a way that it rightly requires. They allowed other doubtless worthy and worthwhile interests and commitments to take up their time, their interests, their energies. So there was enough time and interest and energies to adequately fulfill service as a deacon. Serving as a deacon came way down the list of priorities when it really ought to have been right at the top. And so when we think of what Timothy is being told by the Apostle Paul, we, we can say this about the ministry of the deacon. If you're unwilling to make a person who is called to serve as a deacon, they show dignity, they have integrity, but also that they have sobriety. Verse 8, they must not be heavy drinkers. In other words, they are the model of temperance and moderation. That doesn't only apply to the matter of drink, but also to a whole range of other activities that determine the kind of lifestyle we adopt. Just as it's inappropriate for deacons to be drunk with wine, so it's also inappropriate for deacons to be drunk with the desire for power, or drunk with the desire for wealth, or drunk with the desire for worldly success in business, or drunk with the desire for worldly pleasure. Deacons are to be people of sobriety. So everything about their lives should inspire confidence and trust. People whose lives are an inspiration spiritually to all of us. Their lives are testimony for Jesus that can be uh, clearly read and appreciated. So not only spiritual in in intimacy and spiritual inspiration, but also that they are people of spiritual illumination. When the scripture speaks about deacons, it says again and again that they are people who are, I quote, known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Stephen in Acts 6-5 is described as a man full of faith. He knew the truths of the gospel and he ably proclaimed those doctrinal truths before the Sanhedrin in Acts 7. He was wise in the things of God. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.9 that deacons must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Paul was aware that the truth of the gospel was under attack from many quarters and that the infiltration of doctrinal error was a constant 
problem facing the church. How important then it was that deacons should be people with spiritual understanding and insight, people with a godly wisdom in spiritual matters that would constantly bring an understanding of the truth to believers and would keep them away from erroneous doctrine and unwise practices. We need leaders today with that kind of spiritual insight and understanding, people whose lives uh, are uh, inspiring and people who are able to instruct us because not only do they teach the truth of the gospel but they model the truth of what the gospel says in their own lives and they apply the gospel spiritual solutions to the problems and issues that we face today in our daily lives. So spiritual intimacy, spiritual inspiration, spiritual illumination and deacons also need to have spiritual involvement. They are people whose involvement in the life of the local church is already so evident that its value can be assessed. Before they're appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. They need to be those who are already serving faithfully in the life of the local church. And so Paul draws his thoughts about the deacon to a close with a, a wonderfully encouraging comment in verse 13. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. John MacArthur says, Successful service breeds confidence and assurance amongst the people served. Those who serve God well and see his power and grace operative in their lives will be emboldened for even greater service. So we focused on the what Paul has to say to Timothy about the ministry of the deacon. We don't really have time to go into verse 14 to 16, uh, but take time yourselves to read through those verses. Uh, we've already referred to them and about why Paul is writing this ahead of his visit to the church at Ephesus. But look at verse 16 and be encouraged and blessed by that verse, which was one of the hymns of the early church Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated in the spirit seen by angels and announced to the nations believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory your brothers and sisters sang that song often uh, in their worship services soon we will close our worship service by singing another song of praise but till we do that. Let us join together in prayer and ask for God's blessing on all that we have been thinking about this morning. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it is truth that is unchanged from generation to generation. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just bless us as we seek to apply the teaching of 
these verses that we have been focusing in on about the ministry of the deacon. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for everyone who serves as a deacon in the church at Hamilton Baptist at this time. We ask, Lord, your blessing to be upon them. And we think of others who in coming days may be called to that same service. Father, we pray that all those who serve you as deacons may realize this is an immense privilege, but it, it, it is also a great commitment to serve you wholeheartedly with everything that we are and with everything that we have. And help us to realize, Father, that what is expected of the deacon is expected of all of us as those who belong to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So Lord, bless us and bless your word to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us this evening. We'll be looking at one of Jesus' miracles this evening and I hope you'll be able to join us then. Till then, the Lord bless you. Exalted on